How's it going, guys? Welcome to another episode of 5-Minute Major Radio. Dave here, along with Jake. We are reunited after our my sole effort last week. Jake is back from being a studious college student. Yes, yes, I am. And so, you know, just a couple of some things we're going to talk about. You know, Carter Hart, he is, he is legit, and is Tom Wilson a goon? Debatable sometimes, but we don't think so after this, since we'll, dis- we'll discuss more later. It's not it's not the battle? All it's right. Not All right. Well, um, you know, so coming in news today, <laughs> Carter Hart has been named the WHL, which is the Western Hockey League, which is plays in the CHL, which is the greater uh, major junior league in Canada that feeds a lot of the NHL players, too. But Carter Hart has been named the WHL Goalie of the Year for the third straight year, and he is the first goalie to ever do that in the history of the WHL as a junior hockey league friend, as a junior hockey league. And he also, besides winning goalie of the year, was also the player of the 2017-2018 WHL player of the year. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a feat that had never been accomplished before. So good on the kid. But also, you know, it makes it, it makes it even sweeter that he's a Flyers prospect too. So it gives you something to look forward to. Not that you didn't have anything to look forward to to begin with. But yeah, it's it's cool to see younger players in the modern era come and set records, you know, and make a name for themselves before they establish a professional career. It's very nice to know. He is the hope in that. I mean, Bill Cantrum, obviously, we can't knock, rule him out yet, but Sanderson just hasn't put up the numbers in the SHL over in Sweden that Hart has in the WHL. It, it's, I, I feel like it's very easy to drown in Carter Hart's statistics in the CHL. I mean, Felix Sanderson could be playing incredibly for – Pardon me, I forget the copy place. It's it. um, HV71. HV71 uh, in the in Sweden. But you know what? I mean, Garter Hart, he, he he makes it hard to uh, to contest for a spot like that. You know, he kind of runs away with it. It also is different because in the SHL in Sweden is Sweden's top professional mm-hmm. league. So he is playing its men and more experienced players over there in Sweden with so, Sandstrom. Something, something to note, though, for sure. Where Hart is playing against, you know, teenagers <clears throat> and young adults. Because overage players in the CHL can go until they're 21. So that's the highest you ever go, whereas in, in the Sweden, you have ex-NHLers playing over there. So this, this is my calling. We both did. It's only Winter Sports Beer League for us now. Highest of the highs. If that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so you know, it's definitely a good thing. There's the right path here to go about. And getting Carter Hart in, the, I believe it was the second or third round of the year we drafted him was, was definitely. Second. I think it was our first pick in the second round this draft year. I want to say that's correct. I probably should have this down. The first Flyers pick. That is. I'm not sure if it was the first pick. No, he was the first Flyers pick in the second yeah. round of his draft. And so the fact that he was ranked the top, you know, goalies in the draft anymore. They're not going in the number one. They're not going in the first round anymore. The best goalie in the draft is going in the second or third or some season fourth round. goaltender for their first pick in the second round, I feel like that's that's a pretty good sign that there's a lot of potential. And if you're player. picking one in the first round, you better think he's the next, oh, like, wow. coming. Who was that the last last time there was a goaltender picked in the first round? Who was that? Was it... Um, no, couldn't have been. No, it was Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell. He was picked 11th overall by Dallas in 2010. Where is he been? He is now Jonathan Quick's backup in LA. So yeah, Jack yeah. I remember a few years back listening to how Jack Campbell was going to be the future of USA hockey, and and that. Well, I guess he hasn't really. People in the media are wrong. This just in, yeah. and it seems like they were wrong uh, about Jack I Campbell. I don't think it was the media. Oh, you don't? I don't think it was the media. 
Who do you think it was then? I, I'm not going to name names on our, our podcast. Oh, are you referring that I made those comments? If if we're if we're going to start our show on live, you know, digging digging skeletons out of the closet here, you know, <laughs> throwing people under the bus. Let's uh. But well, I mean, to be fair, in 2010, he did lead the United States of America to the World Junior Championship gold medal. Seven years ago. Seven eight years ago. Okay, and at the time, he was ranked the best goalie prospect. See, now this this is a perfect example how where goalies we we can say how great they're gonna be, and this is what they're gonna pan out, and we're gonna oh he's the next great one, and then Jack Campbell struggled with the Dallas Stars organization and. Gets, I think he got traded to the Kings for like nothing, and then he, what's he worth? Well, I mean, no he, he played with, the Kings. Did a very good AHL goalie coach and and NHL goalie coach in Dusty Emu. He is one of the goalie gurus per se out there in the league right now, and he's refound his game. Was one of the better goalies in the American League the past few years, and then this year the Kings felt comfortable enough trading Darcy Kemper, who was Quick's backup to the Arizona Coyotes in the Toby Reader trade, and they promoted uh, Campbell to be full-time to be Quick's backup. So there's something there, you know. He's now Ari. He's my age, actually, now. So goalies tend to enter their prime around this age, typically, if they're not, like, a star elite-level goalie. So who knows? You know, Quick's getting older, but we'll see what happens. With that, with that being said, you know, I mean, what does that say for Jonathan Quick? You know, I mean, he – I still think he has, you know, shining moments, but he's certainly not – the Jonathan Quick of yesteryear and the 2012 well, also, final. Well, it, it was proved in these playoffs that the heavy style of hockey that the Kings won Stanley Cups with and the Anaheim Ducks won their Stanley Cup with doesn't work anymore. Both teams got swept by their respect by the Vegas Golden Knights and the San Jose Sharks, respectively. So that you you prove now that you have to have a speed game to succeed in this in this era of NHL hockey. I definitely I definitely think that Jonathan Quick is probably on the. The down, the it's downhill 30, portion of his career. Thirty-one, thirty-two now. Age so. plays a big part of it, but you know, I just think, unfortunately, when goaltenders suffer a consistency issue, that usually has to um, and injuries, injuries as well. That that usually hints at something a little more, especially career-wise. And like I said, that's no disrespect to Jonathan Quick or no disrespect to Jack Campbell that we question as a viable backup solution for the foreseeable future for the Kings, but it should be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, and no, it's we're not trying to be a negative Nancy here and say, oh, this is what's going to happen to uh, Carter Harper today. This is the West Coast. We can we, we can trash talk. Oh, all right, we can. I, this I is cr- cross-conference. You know? Okay, all right. I'm glad, we, I'm glad we got that understood. But, you know, Carter Harper, you know, obviously, if things are smart and they go the right way, he's not going to be on the Flyers next year, even though as much fan out cry <clears> there may be. He needs some time to cook in the minors and be a starting goalie or even be in a tandem with the Stolers or a Lion or something. You know, unless he just comes in a training camp and steals the job from Elliot Neuberth, which looked to be the again, the goalie tandem come, you know, training camp in the in September, unless Hexall does something differently this summer. They're not keeping Mrazic. That's kind of made clear by the moves. Um so yeah, unless he comes in and really swipes the floor underneath from Elliot and Neuberth, you know, Hart's gonna be in the minors, and that honestly makes sense. You know, he's gonna he's gonna adjust to the pro game a little bit better. You know, we'll see where it goes. You know, right now he's headed to the WHL final. You know, the Everett Silvertips are my pick to win the Mastercard Memorial Cup this year, which is the overall is the championship for the entire CHL. And so that's gonna be it's definitely a good thing. The experience he's getting in his final pro year 
sorry, sorry, his junior year of hockey is very good. This is going to help him in also winning the World Junior Championship with Canada back in January. You know, these are all the right things that a top caliber, top caliber goalie prospect needs to experience. Two things. One being everything you just said about, you know, Carter Hart's success throughout the WHL and with Team Canada. It's good to see him adapt to that winning pedigree or that to get that experience with winning in, you know, the international level, whether even if it's, you know, the under 20 tournament or in the WHL, it's good to see him succeed and get experience with that. That's very important. Secondly, I think I've probably mentioned this before. As a matter of fact, I, I know I have, I'm willing to wait for Carter Hart. I am not looking to rush this process. I really hope that the fan base wouldn't be looking to rush this process. Well, I might say we need to trust the process. There it is. See what I did there? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Sam Hinkie died for our sins. Yes, he did. he did. He did. Yes, he did. Hey, go Sixers, by the way. <laughs> yes, go Sixers. Uh, game three is tomorrow night. First tonight? two. No. That's tomorrow night. Thursday. I, I think it's game, it's game two. Game two. Of game two. Bad, Saturday, not three. Yes. I think it's, I believe it's tomorrow night. Yes, we have to show our love for the Philly teams of Go Sixers. Go Sixers. But back to Carter Hart. To, to stay on track, um, I I would hope that the organization as well is not looking to rush the development of Carter Hart. You know, because, you know, goaltenders... They need, they, need they, their, they need their time in the oven. They're not... They're not necessarily, you know, their, their development is a little different than maybe, like I said before, a winger or a center or maybe even a defenseman. So let's be honest here. Also, goalies are just weird. <laughs> All goalies in general are weird. So, you know, You're maybe just entering the need some time. Maybe psychological. Then, you know, yeah, you know, they do all their little quirky, weird, different things, you know. Goaltenders. But, yeah, it's um, <clears throat> it's good. It's, it's good progress, and it's good to hear that Carter Hart's doing well. And he's able to, you know, notch some records, you know, put his name in the book for WHL goaltending performers. For, for the attorney, he is going to be known as one of the best goalies to ever played in the CHL. Mm-hmm. You know, he's joining the ranks of, you know, Carey Price, who he gets compared to the most. And, you know, we hear all the big hockey guys, you know, Elliot Friedman, Jeff Merrick, Doug McClain, Nick Kiprios, so all those guys from Sportsnet and, you know, um, Bob McKenzie and TSN, all those guys, you know, they always tell us, wait for Carter Hart, and that's what we need to do. The plan is, you know, Neuberth and Elliot are both signed for this upcoming season. And the plan was, when they signed them both of these two-year deals, Last year, some of these two-year deals. Hopefully, this will be enough incubating time for Carter Hart, where he'll get one full year in the minors, and he'll challenge for a roster spot next year. I'm I'm a little disappointed to hear Hackstall, um, I guess discuss how the route they're taking with Peter Morazic. I I was hoping that they would explore the option of him a little more, you know, especially because like, he, you know, he wasn't stellar, you know, but there was moments where he, you know. He, he shine a little bit more than others. You know, I think yeah. Michael Neuverth, you know, I like Michael Neuverth as a goaltender. And I, when he's playing well, I think he's a very, he's a very good goaltender. You know, it's, it's no secret. You and I have discussed, he seems to be very prone to injury and that allows him to become inconsistent in his performance. And, I think that Hextall and the organization are really taking a gamble on keeping Neuverth around. No disrespect to Michael Neuverth, but with that being known. And, you know, Brian Elliott, I think that's he's another guy who, you know, 
he's probably a good locker room guy. He has the experience and he's, you know, he's won before, not like necessarily a Stanley cup, but like he's had success with teams, but you know, he, I feel as though that his performance does weigh heavily sometimes on the performance of the team in front of him. And you of course always have to have a backup plan. And what happens, you know, next season or later on down the line, you have yourself in a scenario where hypothetically knock on wood, Michael Neuberth isn't isn't able. He's not available. So I I think, you know, that puts your that puts the Flyers and your you know the organization in not I wouldn't say a tight spot, but definitely like not not something they want to be considering in December next year, hypothetically. You know, it's it's interesting and it was um Neuberth admitted that he's just been as frustrated with the injuries as the fans and the team has been the past two years. I'm sure. And he's actually, he posts about it on his social media pages that he fired his old trainer that he uses in the offseason and, and points during the regular season and is getting a new trainer to help with this rehabbing and, you know, getting to be injury free. I want to see him succeed. I, I want to see Michael Neuberth play well. Like, I know he's able to. But, you know, I, I think. I, I'm not saying it was a mistake, but I definitely, I'm not sure how comfortable I am, you know, with, you know, the Flyers just being like, oh, well, okay, you know, good luck. Marazzi. We have to see who they get as another goalie to bring in also to be in the, in the American League with right. Hart because both Blyde and Stollers are restricted free agents come July 1st. Mm-hmm. And so you, I can't see both of them staying. Because then you're going to have either if if they re-sign both Lion and Stolars, then you're looking at either having a Stolars, Lion, or a Hart in the ECHL with the Reading Royals, and I don't like the sound of that at all. Right. So it's going to be interesting, you know. Um, Lions, you know, he played pretty well when he came up for the Flyers. You know, he was, he's a, he's an AHL caliber goalie. That's that is his prime. I guess my concern is I don't want to I don't want to have to see the Flyers rely on. Alex Lyon, or how they had like, to do this like, year, like a Stolarz per se. Like it's, and like it's, that's no disrespect to those guys and their abilities as goaltenders. But you know, I don't. It's unassuring, I guess, from a fan perspective, and I'm sure it does take a toll on you know the psyche and the mentality of the team and the organization. I'm not saying that they don't have faith in these guys getting caught up and playing with the big club, but you know, it's. You, you know, you uh, <clears throat> you reform relationships, of course, with you know your as rostered players. You know your your starter and your backup, and you know you, you there's a relationship on the ice that you sort of like you get used to and you're acclimated to who's in net per se. I I don't think it's like necessarily crazy to say that you know not that they would distrust a lion or they would distrust having a stalwart in net, but it helps to be confident and comfortable with, you know, someone, you know, and like someone who's like, I guess like proven that they're able to perform and it doesn't weigh on the minds of the flyers playing in front of that person, you know, against whoever for the 82 games a season. And that's the problem too. Like also in the five percent, if they were to keep uh, Morazic and then trade Neuberth, who would trade from in the league? Because the whole league knows about his injury issues, right. and so that's gonna be that would be the thing. Like they're not gonna buy him out, mm-hmm. so that becomes the issue of like then who they would trade for Michael Irvin and take on the risk. And you know, it's almost the Flyers are almost stuck in this case of keeping him for the last year until he goes to being a unrestricted free agent right. come next July first. So you know it's gonna be interesting. You know, 
for him to go down to the Phantoms, the minor leagues, you'd have to clear waivers, and I'm sure then a team would take the risk then, because then you're only paying half his salary for one more year, and that's really not you don't want to lose because he's still a good goalie. You don't want to lose him for nothing. Right. So, and he's not like a player who needs to be bought out like a Dale East or a Euro per se, because he's not on their level of just bad. Like he's, when he's healthy, he's a good goalie. I know. So, you know, it's not be interesting. You know, it's going to be, it's something I hope the Flyers address in this offseason is the goaltending issue. Cause it, I feel like we say, we say this, I touched on this last week's episode. We say this every summer. The Flyers have to do something about it's goaltending. A, it's a re- yeah. ever since Hextall, ever point. since Hextall, and even when Hextall was a real issue with the Philadelphia Flyers. Even when Hextall was back on the team in his second tenure after coming back from Quebec, he was in a tandem with Gar Snow. So the last time we had a legit, really good goalie was Hextall pre the Lindros trade. I'm back. I'm going way back. back. We're going back in the archives here tonight on Five Minute Major Radio. So hop in the hot tub time machine. I know. Wait, have you ever have you seen that movie? Yes, I have seen that movie. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. It's not bad, but back to hot. How can I how can I reference that? I don't think I've ever seen Jake ladies and gentlemen. Back to back to hockey. So yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting, you know. It's just it's something Hexy has to, you know, address. And if he doesn't, then he's saying he's confident in Elliot and Neuberth, then you know, trust the process. There it goes again. <laughs> but, you know, I say that trust the process not so confidently this time around. The Flyers have a lot. The Flyers have a lot to, to a lot of questions. They have a lot of lot to uh, examine over the offseason. Yes, they do, and and that was a very good segue, Jake. I'm proud of you for that. And that was that was very nice. But um, you know, just like Jake said, you know, we do like I touched on the non-returning UFAs last week, and then also to that list of non-returning UFAs, it's pretty much assumed and rumored through all the big hockey guys are reporting up in Canada that the Flyers are going to buy out. The last contract of Yuri Laterra, get rid of his four million dollar contract for uh, four million dollar cap it mm-hmm. for the last year. So that being said, now after buying out Laterra, the Flyers will have like twenty five to thirty million dollars in cap space, which is I I know here which is it's a, well kind of where I'm going with Say it. it. But, like, that's a lot of cap room, and there's a lot of things the Flyers need to address. They need another center. Say his name. I will get there. Say his name. I will get to John Tavares in just a second. <laughs> I will there. get there. They need another center. They need also a bona fide top four defenseman. Um, and then they need to dress their goaltending. Now, that being said, the Flyers will have the cap space to potentially re- to sign the New York Islanders captain, John Tavares, who has not re-signed with his home team as of yet. He has until July 1st to do that, or even do that on July 1st. But the Flyers will have enough cap space to do so. Now, that would be awesome. John Tavares is an elite franchise building center. He was the number one overall pick in in the 2009 draft. He's proven what he is. But, if it would be phenomenal. You get another top-line center, so then your centers would be Terrier, Patrick, and Tavares. But Nolan Patrick, the second half of the year when he was healthy, and in the playoffs, proved that he can be a second line center. Sean Couturier has now proved that he can be a top line center. So if you bring in Tavares, now you're potentially dropping down Couturier and Patrick down a line. 
and what's that going to do to their current development and rate. Granted, it will strengthen the team overall, but Nolan Patrick has that chance to be the next franchise cornerstone of the Flyers. And I want to keep his development going. There's many, many, many things, like many, many things that go into John Tavares potentially, hypothetically, signing with the Philadelphia Flyers, if that's even an option, like a, a card in the deck here. But first first things first, I think that's first and foremost, like most important, is if you bring in a player like Tavares with the experience and the talent he has, like, you know, there's very little, you know, options that you have to slot him or where he's where you're going to deploy him into the lineup. So ultimately, you know, like you said, this sort of takes players like Patrick and takes players like Couturier and sort of shoves them backward. You know, and ultimately, what are you looking to do as a hockey team in an organization, especially with players like Nolan Patrick in developing them, considering they are like he's a second overall pick, you know, I don't think you want to, you know, go like, you know, for the big money or like that, that high ticket item per se, or like a player like Tavares and potentially jeopardize the integrity of your roster, especially up front on offense. You know what I mean? You have a lot vested into Nolan Patrick. And luckily for us, we had the opportunity to select him at number two last year when I think you and I both agree probably didn't necessarily deserve to pick at that selection. No, we got very lucky in the draft. So I, I think, you know, a little bit of this, you can be like, you're sort of playing with fire. If you were going to bring a player like Tavares in and sort of like experiment with that, especially with how it's going to affect the rest of your roster. Also, another thing is, there's no telling John Tavares would even hype, like wanted to come here. Yeah, say. Or there's no true. telling that this would be a team on his list. And also, with that being said, you're not sure what specifications he's looking to get in a contract, like like time, oh, money. He's going to want probably eight years, mm-hmm. which is the max you can get on the new CBA. And he's going to want probably McDavid money. Yeah. He's going to want 10, 11, 12, 13 mil a year. Right. And even if the Flyers had that, even if the Flyers had that, you know, that's great. And I like Tavares, but is he worth that much money? You know what I mean? I think the New York, to the New York Islanders he is. I think so too. But, you know, that's that's a completely a separate, you know, yeah. discussion and argument. As far as, like, signing him to play for the Philadelphia Flyers, is he worth that much money? Is John Tavares worth that much time and that much money that you'd pay him and contractually obligate him if, to your team? If Ron Hextall thinks the Flyers are now in a stage where they can win now and they can win the cup in the next, like, four or five years. Yeah, but you know what? The Flyers have that done that. That has to be the mood. They have to go out and they have – that would be the mood they're having to this, this team, this organization, you and I both know, and as most of the Flyers fans, you know, are notorious for that kind of thing. You know, there's there's this notorious aspect of going out there and, you know, dropping exuberant amounts of money on players that are going to give you that edge or that win now factor on a team. And like, it hasn't you know, worked out. It, it's it's sort of, you know, the Flyers are snake bitten with that. Yes. If Pronger was healthy and never took that slash to the eye, they probably could have done it. 
But you can't live. But in, it's 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 hindsight's twenty twenty. You can't live in a world of what ifs in hindsight yeah. as well, especially in modern day exactly. sports. You know, it just it just the stats don't lie, and every time the Flyers did it when Ed Sire was still alive, it didn't pan out. Are you talking analytics right now, dude? I could be Moneyball. Moneyball. What? Philly Bean. What? Dude. I know we're all, we're all over the place. Today. You know, we should we should start a podcast strictly about Moneyball, just a movie, not about analytics. <laughs> Just about money. It's a good movie, but I don't know if it's that good. It's it's really good. But um, other than Hot Top Time Machine, I've never seen it. It's very true. But you know, going back to the moves, you know, the Flyers, the Chris Pronger trade, the the signing of Ilya Brzezgalov, and then trading away of Richardson Carter and other big pieces. You know, things that were bold and how fast started a rebuild of this team didn't really necessarily work out. Like you brought in Briz to be your franchise goalie and to win, and we're paying him money to come actually watch our games now. So. It'll be interesting. Also, for saying, you know, yeah, it would be very cool to have John Ferris on the Flyers. It'd be a very NHL 18 by EA Sports thing to do in the be a GM mode. But personally, you know, a guy who I would rather see the Flyers go after to be a third line center would be a um, a, Paul, a Stastny for the Winnipeg Jets because mm-hmm. he is also a UFA come this summer. He's Paul probably Stastny. he's probably not gonna want. Six, seven, eight million dollars. She'll be somewhere down near that five, four, three million dollar range. Very realistic scenario. Unless he's out of Winnipeg. Well, of course. But, but I think you know he he'd be a good he'd be a good player to interchange with Patrick in that second and third line hole. Hypothetically speaking, like you know, as, like as far as like options at center, especially in this free agency market, Paul Stastny, I feel like works. For multiple reasons, I feel like he he's a lot more affordable. One, two, I feel like him as a player and what he offers, and you know any team in the NHL, I think might fit a little better with a Philadelphia Flyers roster, especially at this point in time. You know, and like he brings you know a lot of different things. Like he brings the experience. You know, he's for different teams he's played on. He's been in the league for at least like what like what's it ten, eleven, yeah. twelve years. Yeah. You know, he he comes from a hockey family. You know his father and uncles being the Stastny's. I mean, that that's pretty much point blank. All that really needs to be said. You know, Jan, Peter, whatever the other one's name is, <laughs> there, let it be known. So, Eastern European. I think, I think Paul, I mean, maybe this is just like wishful thinking because I like Paul Stastny. Oh, so do I. And I think he would be a good contribution to this team and definitely an upgrade for my Volterra or some of Dal the other Dupla, who Dal is Dupla, walking in free agency, which see pains me to say, but yes, it's very much definitely an upgrade from a Valfiopula, which we've talked before. I like Valfiopula, but I just you and I both know that we're not sure what his what he offers or brings to the table is with the Flyers. Valfiopula has lost too much of his foot speed. Right, he just can't skate anymore. Yeah, he can't keep mm-hmm. up with the NHL anymore. Right, and also I think you know per se the Flyers would just sign him in a cheaper. Like let's say. They miss on Tavares, if they even go mm-hmm. after Tavares. If they miss on a Stastny. If they miss on a, another name, Derek Broussard, per se. If they miss on all those guys. Val Fubla could be a nice return back at a lower AAV. I mean, I think Val Fubla is a player that just needs to sort of allow himself to take, like, that role, a lot, like, that lesser role on a team. He, he needs to kind of, like, fall into that, like, Three more likely four center spot. Yes, I'm. I would hope you realize that. But 
the problem with that is we have a head coach with this team currently who thinks he's better than that. And we saw that in the playoffs. So that would be my one hindrance with bringing Val Popola back is being, we'll be bringing back another one of Hackstall's guys. And we saw it in the playoffs where Popola centered the top line and that made my skin crawl. So we're not going to go there. We're just exploring options here, Dave. Yes, yes. Come on. Yeah, so I'd even take a Derek Rossard because he's not re-signed with Pittsburgh. Because he's gonna want to be a sec. He's gonna be, he's gonna want to be a second line center, maybe first line center, depending on the right team. Mm. He's a good player, but yeah. I don't know if he'd even want to come here based on what he went just went through when they beat us in six. He might have enough hatred for the Flyers, as it is. Money talks. That's that's definitely... money does talks, but he's also a guy who's gonna want a little bit more money than his dad. That's I guess that's where I'm gonna. I I feel like we're out go with as far as like signing Broussard. I feel like Broussard is a player who might be looking for a a number that maybe I personally don't think he's worth. I think right now he's making around five million. See, I don't, do you think Derek Broussard's worth five million dollars? And you know this isn't no disrespect. That's my that's my tagline for tonight. No disrespect to everybody I decide to talk about. But um I don't I don't know I don't know. I mean, this could, could just be my personal opinion. All right, so here we go. Derek Broussard, via the, our good friends over at catfriendly.com. Cat-friendly. He right now makes... Um, his contract currently is $5 million. But in the trade from Ottawa, Pittsburgh is only paying $3 million of it. And they sent Ryan Reeves to the Vegas Golden Knights, and along with $2 million of Broussard's salary. Right. So Broussard now is getting paid $5 million by two different NHL teams, one of which he's not even playing for. That's overpaying. Well, that's yeah, what Ottawa signed him to. Right. I don't. And case, case in point, I don't think that Derek Broussard is worth $5 million. I would take him at what the Pens are paying, at that $3 at million three? slot. No, I'd... I'd take him there. I, I give him okay. I'll throw him a bone here. Like I'll give him that three point five four million dollars. That's where I'll cut it off. You know what I mean? I think like fine for Derek Broussard, Like that's that's a real that's a reasonable number. But I, I don't five million dollars like four point five million dollars. Like I can't think. I, I don't know if I can justify that much money for a player like that. And I don't because also like guys like guys like Broussard, You know they they come and they go. You know, and look, he, he spent time in Ottawa, he spent time in Columbus, he spent time in New York, not necessarily in that order. But, you know, he's he's sort of, like, seen his way around the league. And, like, you Columbus, know, New York, Ottawa. Ottawa. And Pits- well, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh currently right now. Yeah. You already addressed that. Yeah. You know, and I, I feel like some teams have been better fits than other teams. And also, you know, exposure and, you know, who you get to play with, I think definitely is a factor with, you know, players like Broussard. So I don't, you know, hypothetically, Derek Broussard comes to Philadelphia, you know, and they sign him for, you know, $4.5 million, whatever the number is, for four years, right? We'll call it. It's not a contract, though. It's not, it's not bad. It's, it's recoverable, per se. If it goes south or if it doesn't go well, it's, it's something that you can recover from. It's not going to put you in a hole, especially development-wise and trying to build a Stanley Cup contender. But I don't. I don't know, like, you know, he could come here and he, it could just, it could be like another, 
I don't know if this is the right analogy, but like not necessarily comparing Broussard in the, his playing style and the player he is to like a White or a Reeves, like mm-hmm. a Ryan White I reference. You know, those are players who, you know, Ryan White, we loved. You know, he played, he was a role guy. He knew it. He stuck to it. Second power play unit. Sometimes. The dude, the dude, he just, he had it. He had the jam, as we like to say. Yes. Like, he, he just, he, the dude knew what he was doing. He just couldn't meet an agreement with the Philadelphia Flyers in, you know, lands a contract in Arizona. You know, that was a little disappointing. So then we, we you and I both come like, oh, well, you know, Flyers picked up Del Weiss. We'll see how they they fare with. We were that. excited about Del. That was exciting. You know, and like I don't, I, I don't even know if I I'm even willing to sit here and say that like I just like Del Weiss as a player or I think that he's bad. Oh, I just don't. I, think, I say those things now. Well, I don't. I say those things now. Del Weiss is bad. I, I think I think he's he's bad. bad now. I think his performance on the Flyers or I think has been bad as of lately has been less than stellar. But I don't know if that's a reflection on his ability or level of play or so just i guess the way like the philadelphia flyers use him or like the fit there he has with this team here you know what i mean it, the point i'm trying to make is those are two players like relatively similar like weiss in some ways is similar and synonymous with white and you thought i guess in a way Weiss was supposed to be a sort of more an upgrade a, a more scoring version of ryan white right in, in a and way at the time he was that you were making up for the loss of a guy like ryan white and you were benefiting with some more goals potentially play. offensively and, and that was it, it hasn't seemed to work out that way now to tie in the brassard comment is which is what i'm trying to get at here I, I don't think like, I'm not comparing Broussard to those players, but like comparing the scenario, you know, he could, he could be really effective for the Pittsburgh Penguins or really effective for the New York Rangers in his time there. But you know what? He could come to Philadelphia and just not, it could just not click. It's not, it could not work, you know? And I don't want to see the, you know, necessarily see the Flyers put themselves in a position where it's like, okay, you know, we have this guy contractually for, Three, well, that's 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 the hypothet- that's a hypothetical hypothetical thing to make with all free agents. Of course, I mean I'm not disagreeing with that, but I definitely feel like there's a lot there's some there's a level of confidence obtaining some free agents over others. Brassard to me is not a player I necessarily like would like to take a chance on. I'm not sure, you know, and that's like I said, no disrespect to him, but I don't know if. The Flyers should be looking for a Derek Broussard per se. I, I'm a lot more, you know, flattered by the idea of a Paul Stastny per se. I think that would be a good acquisition and it would be a good fit. Or, you know, of course, like <laughs> for those who want to humor the Tavares possibility, you know, I mean, that's a wait and see kind of thing. And, you know, that's that's not just like an acquisition. That's that's a decision you're making as an organization. That's a franchise altering decision. You're taking you're taking on one of the world's best so, players. Yeah, you're taking on a project per se. Or you're you're making like a you're drawing a line in the sand here. You're like, okay, this is what we're doing and this is the direction we're going as an organization by signing this player. So it would definitely say what Hextall thinks about this flyer team if they went out and signed to Because mm-hmm. it would say we're going for it, we're going for it. Just now. just for the just for the sake of talking about, it, like, how does that play bringing somebody in like Tavares, who's had experience as a captain and has that leadership quality? And ha- if I'm Claude Giroux, 
How does that make me feel? You know, I think that's something that should be considered. Well, Tavares and Giroux, I think, are friends off the ice. Well, yeah. I they think... played together, Team Canada, multiple times, even going back to World Juniors. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they definitely, of course, they know who they are, being division rivals. But, um... I would never say it's ever been, like, really heated between the two of them, though. Because the Islanders have been bad. <laughs> the Islanders haven't, haven't really been good in a long time. They've been the trash can of the Metropolitan Division slash Atlantic Division for years. So it'll be it would be interesting, but I would hope G would realize that strengthening the team overall it would be a threat to his captaincy, because there should be no threat to G's captaincy because he's proved that he is his team's rightful captain. Mm-hmm. And if you think otherwise, you're wrong. I mean, but yeah, a lot of people said it about Mike Richards, and then Chris Pronger came along, and I'm not to, I'm not firing up the rumor mill here. Well, there was, a, but you know, that's this a is, whole other like box of worms there. I know it's a completely isolated scenario with isolated Hashtag cir- dry island. Circumst- circumstances. But still, you know, I, I want to bring it up because I think like that's, you know, a situation where, you know, you have conflicting styles of leadership and you have different ideas of what it means to lead a hockey team in the NHL. And, you know, one led to another per se. And like, you know, there's, I think, I would like to think that Claude Giroux, the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers, is you know beloved and you know trusted by the majority of the fan base. But there's a lot of skepticism and there's a lot of, I guess, questioning on his end and his behalf throughout the fan base. I'd like to say, or I'd see you know on a, from time to time. Maybe even after the, I mean, you I'm sure you brought this up last week. I think with I did. The, with Giroux catching flack for his quotes after being eliminated. And I don't, I personally don't see how anybody draws that sort of conclusion out of what he says. I just think that's misguided and just looking for something to pawn it off on or like, it's also, it's also something that the talk radio hosts in the city who don't give the flyers any respect during the hockey season at all. Pretty much. It's all, it's an Eagles very much now Sixers town with the Phillies in the background. The flyers aren't shown respect at all by this media in this city. And when Giroux and Kateria make comments that they did, it's something for the media guys to talk about on the radio and go, oh, I don't like it. How dare he? And it's like, no, no. How, like, how dare you? I don't like You don't get the flyers the respect they deserve all year. And when someone calls out the fans for maybe their actions and how they're wrong, you're going to pin it on the player saying he's the one wrong? Mm-hmm. No, nah, you don't get to do that. I don't like the, the whole, you know, almost like the preying on, you know, players in like post-game interviews after you know being eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs and you know obviously there's a lot of emotion and people were sort of trying to come up with like what they want to say and guys like Giroux and Katoria want to formulate a response to you know the Philly media and portray a firm but you know foremost message after being eliminated from the playoffs. And, you know, it's uh, it's hard to sit there and have that be taken out of context and misconstrued, especially by a media base that doesn't always, you know, isn't always representative of you as a team or an organization. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to name names and I'm not going to call out particular networks per se, because I don't think that's necessary, but also like, you know, I don't think it's a secret that, you know, the Flyers probably, do play that back burner role in, you know, Philadelphia sports these days, especially with like the success of the teams like the Eagles, you know, I mean, 
or like you know, recent Sixers. success with the Sixers, or even even you know when the Phillies play really well, or they they sweep the series, you know, that's definitely what gets talked about per se over the Flyers succeeding per se. But you know, but there's a lot of that praying mentality. It's like, oh, well, you know, Claude Giroux said this, or you know, Sean Couturier said this. You know, burn them at the stake. You know, how dare they turn their back on this franchise? Like what? Like, what are you talking about? Where were you for the last 82 games? Like, well, the last five years? Like, do you even know who you're talking about? Like, it's the not... The problem is they don't. And they think they do. Oh, my God. It's it's frustrating. And, like, you know, I, I try not to put too much weight and frustration into it. But, like, dude, like... It, the, the, these are the people that, you know, literally make a living off of discussing and, you know, generating points and whatnot via the radio or podcast or what have you about Philadelphia sports, know the content, know what you're talking about. And like, you know, if you're, if you're going to represent and you're going to discuss something like the Philadelphia Flyers, or you're going to discuss players and interviews and quotes from people on that team, then do it correctly. And like, understand what you're talking about, get it right. You know, don't just sit there and like, Oh, you know, I don't know what that means. Or <laughs> like, <laughs> he deserves to have the C-strip from him referencing the Giroux comments, which is, if you read anything he said, that's highly, highly not... I'm starting to get frustrated. I always say that I'm not going to do this, but it's, it's ridiculous. You know, it's way, way too much looking into it. There's way... You're looking at it where if Giroux wasn't captain or in the leader in the team, he probably wouldn't say the things he said. That's what we as a fan base in a sports media town have. Whenever things go wrong, it can't be strip the sea or trade the captain away. Because I am just frankly sick and tired and tired and sick of whenever something goes wrong in this city, we trade the captain away. I don't want to be known as that anymore because they always seem to do it with every team, every team. When the Eagles are struggling, by McNabb. When the Phillies start to struggle, by Utley, by Howard, by Rollins. When the Sixers start to struggle, by Iverson. Andre Iguodala. Andre Iguodala. When the Flyers start to go south, by Richards, by Carter, by Gagne. Then eventually, you know. For who? Wait, wait, side note. Who did we get rid of Simone Gagne for? Matt Walker. Wait, who is that even? Do you, does, does he play hockey? He attempted to. Who is that? He was Do a, you know who he Matt was Walker a, is? He was a, he did was, we go to high school with Matt Walker? No, we did not. No, I don't think so. No, no. He, he, he sounds familiar. Matt, picture Andrew McDonald, but like a billion times worse. Oh, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done this. And, that what, and that's what Matt Walker was. And yet, there were fans in this city that were happy about the Simone Gagne trade, but we're not getting into that. That was a long time ago. That was a, that was a Paul Holmgren era GM move. My heart bleeds for that trade. Awful. And that was after going to the Seven Cup Final. We traded Gandhi after losing to the Blackhawks in six. Enough of that. We are we are getting so sidetracked. By, we're gonna go back to this. By the past. We're we're. It's very hard. It's we hard. could do a whole episode on the Flyers' past and Flyers' future. No, we should. We probably will. Side side note. We to, have to be continued to the listeners. We have all summer. So, going back to the UFAs, again, this is from Cap Friendly. There's a couple other free agents. Obviously, their list is not including players that already announced their retirement, like Hendrick Sedin on there. But um, a Tyler Bozak, if he doesn't start with Toronto, 
could be a nice pick because he's already been playing a third line role this year. Now my money, he makes four million dollars with a release, and I don't know if I want to pay Bozak four million. Bozak's another Broussard situation, if you ask me. Yeah, I feel the same way about Tyler Bozak as I do Derek Broussard. I completely agree. Um, so that's right. There's, there's a couple guys on here too that are gonna, are going to be retained with a team like a Jay Beagle. I'm pretty sure the Capitals already resigned him. If not, they're going to because he's a great face-off guy. Face-off guy. Marla Tessu would be a good veteran signing, but again, he's getting up there in age. He'd be a good. He'd be a good regular replacement on the fourth line and power play specialist. Um, Eric Ferris playing with San Jose right now. Again, getting old, passes prime. There's no one really that stands. The only, I mean, Tavares, one who stands out. Tom Explicanics. He's probably not going to sign with Toronto. But he's 35, so I don't really want to go down that road. No, it just it just seems like that Paul Stastny is the best bet and what the Flyers should really go I after. I think Paul Stastny, and, and this is my personal opinion as well. You know, I think Paul, I personally would like to see Paul Stastny here. If if the Flyers are going to look towards or like if they're going to hunt a particular free agent in this market, I would hope that Paul Stastny is the top of their list. You know, I, I think he probably has, like I said, this is my opinion, probably the best, you know, he might make the best fit for this team. And I think he, he probably offers the most of like what this team would be looking for in comparison to the other potential, you know, selections or, you know, signings that could come up in the free agency. But, you know, I don't know. Like I said, that's just my opinion. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just because I like Stastny. But it'd be nice. So, I, yeah. You heard it here, folks. Five Bit Major Radio endorses the Philadelphia Flyers signing Paul Stastny to be our new third second line center. Especially because I know you're listening, Hextall. You said so. You may not take my advice, but I know that you're listening to me. So now we're going to defense, and obviously the Flyers do need a top four defenseman. Mm-hmm. And there are some good ones on this list. Um,. And the one that sticks out to me the most would be John Carlson. He is going to get paid. He is going to get paid. Oh he's he's going to get a contract. I wish my name was John um, If Washington's smart, they re-sign him because he's probably going to be in a competition to win the Norris this year along with SF Jones mm-hmm. and an Eric, a Drew Doughty or an Eric Carlson. Mm-hmm. You know, he's it, John Carlson has had that good of a year where he's going to be there, Mark. He is the top free agent defenseman. Pending he said what talk he does about, with Washington. Talk about a player who who is you know, like who's gone through you know his career. I was play college or he played. He played in the OH. He started out in college yeah. and switched yeah. to playing ah, in pulled a coil. In the end, he switched over to the CHL. He was on that 2010 team with the World yes. Juniors with Jack Campbell. He actually goal. John Carlson actually scored the game-winning that goal one. against Canada in yes. overtime to win the gold medal for the for our good old US of VA. But like exactly, they went like, to the Hershey Bears, they went to the Washington Capitals, and has worked his way up the ladder. That's a see, this is a prime example of a guy who did it right. He he hit now. Every, here's a guy. <laughs> yes, here's my Chris Collinsworth. Now here's a guy. Who did it the right that way? way. He, he went through all steps of development, through college to the CHL, all the way down through the you know the minor leagues. Al, <laughs> but seriously, like I, I like John Carlson, and I I don't know how realistic that would be for the Flyers to go after a John Carlson. He's gonna want right now. Not he, at all, but right. I 
I like him, and I wish him success, and I, I would like to see him strive. Right now, but, he's making $4 million. He's going to get a pay raise. <laughs> I'm thinking you six, add six, at least. seven, eight. Dowdy makes 10. Maybe he wants Drew Dowdy money. Deserves it more than Drew Dowdy if you ask me. Uh, we're okay. not, we're not realistic, realistic scenarios. Okay, like for the Flyers. A Jack Johnson? I was thinking, what about Alexi Emelin? What do you think about him? No, I don't like the M1. I think, I think. Okay, okay, stop, 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 stop. Yes, I just you. Take away, take away the questionable conduct and behavior that you've seen over, like, just take, take it all away from like face value. Alexi M1 as a player, he's Brad Kogutis. You if you think? ask me, yes. You think? I mean, I think at times he he is even worse than Rako Gudis. I don't know. I think. I mean, I definitely think he's a little quicker than Gudis, and I definitely think he has like a lot of people are quicker than Gudis. We probably have guys on our men's league team on dump and change right. that are quicker than Rako Gudis. Right. All right, all right. Look, consider the source here. I'm I'm looking to like realistic solutions here. Like, I think I'm not saying like, but I think maybe maybe Emlyn. You know, Yemlin, maybe a Yemlin. Like, maybe give it a try. He's a he's a left-handed shot. If you want some help on power play two unit, Mike Green's a UFA. Cut his salary down a little bit, maybe. Mm. But he's gonna be more a third line pairing at this point. Um, we could bring back Lucas Pisa, unless Lucas, Vegas reads unless Pisa. unless Vegas reads him. Of course, Lucas Pisa we drafted in the two thousand in the two thousand eight draft. And he was the main chip in that tr- in the Chris Pronger trade with Anaheim, along with Joffrey Lupul. The Joffrey Lupul. There we go. And so you know he'd be an interesting guy to bring back. You know, I don't think he's really playing that much for Vegas, or if he is, he's in a limited role. He could be a good guy to bring back. You know, and Ian Cole, if he doesn't resign with Columbus, would be a good fit. And Andre Schuster from the Tampa Bay Lightning would be a good fit. You know, there's 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 a lot more. There's more options on the defensive side than there are definitely for centers. Bring Dennis Seidenberg back. How about that? He's too old. We need T-Blades back in Philadelphia. We do, we do not need T-Blades back in Philadelphia. <laughs> we do not need to hear that For sound people who team. don't play hockey, per se, or aren't familiar with what I'm talking about, T-Blades are this, like, mechanism or this sort of this, this system of, like, there's, there's the holders. Most players just call them Tukes because it's a popular – brand or whatever players use that it comes to fall on bower skates but most players just use two especially in the nhl regardless of what boot or skate that they have there is a specific type of blade here a system where it's called t-blades and they're like this awkward shiny looking material and they're like there's like these circles through it and it's connected weirdly to the skate and the sound that they make when you're like cutting into the ice is one of the most is obnoxious sounds you will ever hear it's horrendous it's um, it's almost as bad as like nails going on, into, nails like, on a chalkboard, like walking into Walmart and seeing somebody with a pair of sneakers that has those like non-tie like laces that just like squiggle. <laughs> it's almost as bad as that. Like unless you're like a senior citizen. Okay, I really got a passion up here. <laughs> like there's there's a few there's a few. Um, demographics of society who, okay, fine. If, if, you know, the tieless laces are your thing all the way, but if you're like, you know, like somebody like me, like if I walked into Walmart with those like tieless laces on my sneakers or whatever, I would hope that somebody would help me. <laughs> Seriously. So like when we, we go out, you go out on the ice, you know, and you see somebody with T-blades and be like, you know what? 
Wow. It's a sound you can hear in the arena. <laughs> this is bad. Like, I hope, I want to help this person. And they're really popular with German players. They're really big in the German league. I think it's a German or Austrian-based company. And that's why a lot of those players that have that come from like those countries have a tendency to use them like Steinberg was the last person in the Joachim Hesch wore them. So it's definitely interesting. Yeah, they're ugly too. Um, Maybe we should post a picture on the Facebook page just to exemplify what I'm saying. Well, we'll post one on the Facebook page so you guys can see it. D-Blades. Trying to think down the list of other yeah, more of those, defensemen. Like, tutorial videos where they can hear them, like because they're like testing them out. All right, and we we them. we will post a whole video of T Blades on our Facebook page after we're done recording this podcast. I need these people for everybody, to so that you all will think, "Wow, Jake and Dave aren't crazy." No, they're gonna think we're crazy because no one's gonna care like us. But for me, this is important. <laughs> it's bad. All right, going back to defensemen, you know, it's something here. After the list goes down, those are really your best players. All the rest of the defensemen on this list are kind of third-pairing, minor leaguer guys. So, again, highlight it, you know, a John Carlson, maybe a Mike Green. Jake says Alexi Emlin, although I disagree. You know. I'm not saying Alexi Emlin. I'm, I'm just looking for options, okay? Calvin think, DeHaan from the Islanders, maybe? I, mean, I, I think, the, the, the thing is with this defensive list, there's a lot of eh, maybes. Right. There's like a lot of those on this list. Well, I think <laughs> you're gonna have to take a chance on some like on certain players. You know, and I'm not saying like, oh, you know, Flyers go up, get get him one. Like, you know what I mean? Like, do it like right now. You know, chop yeah. chop. But I, I'm just you know exploring the options per se. You know, like what what is out there? What does the free agent market have to offer as far as defensemen? And the guess, Alexi Emelin has had a questionable pass. You know, when it comes to physicality and the way he conducts himself on the ice, like you know, other players or a handful of people who have ever played this league, and you know, sometimes you know, your team or even the Philadelphia Flyers have been on the brunt end of such plays, and you know, it's you could also talk about you know, con, you know, consistency and performance. And, you know, is is he better? Is he good? Is two Fine, whatever. But you know, like I said, I feel like if you can't. You can't be uh, discriminatory here, mm-hmm. you know, in this in this kind of thing. I don't know if discriminatory is the word I want to say. Picky. You can't be too picky. You can't. Beggars can't be choosers. And I'm certainly not calling this team or the Flyers beggars per se, but taking steps forward, I think you know, less is more. Yeah. Sometimes you're looking to add depth rather than skill. Sometimes overwhelming because I think you have it already, especially on our defense. Coming up, you will. So, do you want to tackle goalies, or do you think they're just going to stick with Neuvert and Elliott? Because there are there are some goalies on this free agent list that I could see being definitely upgrades over a Neuvert or an Elliott, potentially, per se. I mean, yeah, sure. If we don't resign. I, I mean, number one. Someone's... Number one. Kari Lettinen. I'm thinking that Dallas is going to want to try and maybe resign as like a as a potential option. For he, is, he has injury problems, though, too, and he right. has a bigger problem with being inconsistent. Um... So maybe a Jonathan Bernier sticks out. The Avs don't re-sign him. Um, but who is Nelson Mandela? For all those who don't know, this might be another video we may have to pass. Oh, it's a video night. Uh, Jonathan Bernier at one point in his career got asked by a media when John, when um, he came to some when Nelson Mandela passed away. They asked him, you know, what do you think about Nelson Mandela and his legacy that he left on the world? 
and Jonathan Bernier pretty much said, "Oh, I think he was a really, a really great like he Locker thought guy, he, class act, he thought he was a hockey best, player and, and not the, the president of South Africa." So that that's Jonathan Bernier's claim to fame. He was a he was. Oh my god! Yeah, so oh that's my god. interesting. Uh, a Carter Hutton. Unless St. Louis resigns him because he was pretty much that one B with Jake Allen this year. They had to resurrect Nelson Mandela and trade him in hockey then. So that'd be interesting. Nelson Mandela. No disrespect. How about Jeff Zagrow? Uh, No, because he's he's in the minor leagues now. That was an absolute joke, by the way. Oh, thank God. Thank God I got worried there for a second. Um, I really thought you would have picked up on that. I I normally would have. Um... Chad Johnson, he's the reliable backup. Played pretty well as a goalie could for Buffalo this year. See, this is the thing about free agent markets, especially with goalies, because, you know, most of the time when you have a good goaltender, you know, most most teams, you know, don't sit on free you know, agents you know who, for goaltender very long. You know who I see on this list that we need to bring back to Philadelphia? You see that name? You see that name right there, Jacob? Michael Wayne is still playing. Wait. Guys, I'm, I'm not I'm not really serious here. Wait, he he plays for he's in the Pittsburgh. He plays for Wilkesbury now. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, like I didn't even know Dustin Tokarski was still with us. We trade him uh, being the year he on an AHL deal. He's been playing time with the Phantoms. Right, like if he had the tick on his helmet, he still does. It's crazy. But, um, yeah, so goalies, you know, maybe a Jonathan Bernier or a Chad Johnson. I don't know what a tick. Maybe he likes – this is nickname. But now we're, we're going to get in this part of the podcast now, which is part of, of our title is Tom Wilson the Goon. Now, some backstory here. In last night's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins and Washington Capitals, there was deemed a questionable hit made by Tom Wilson on Pittsburgh Penguins forward Zach Aston Reese. Where Zach Aston had his head down, they looked up at the last second, and Wilson sent him in the next week. But eventually, at first, where it looked like to us, because we both think it was a clean hit, where he made shoulder to shoulder contact first, and then his shoulder hit Zach Aston face. Now, the end result of this play was Reese now has a, con- a concussion and a broken jaw. Right. At the it's. I personally still think it's a clean hit. From different angles, it looks dirtier than others. Because he eventually, because of the momentum of the hit, he loses his feet. But Tom Wilson is a big dude. Like he's not a small player. Whereas Zach Aston Reese is. It was announced this morning that Tom Wilson was going to have a hearing with the NHL for the hit. Mugs to the protests from a lot of fans. Even though you have the Yinzers out there, Western PA, who were calling for blood last night. Western Pennsylvanians. Western, I'm sorry, my bias is coming out here. Western sorry. Pennsylvanians. Sorry. Western Pennsylvanians. This, I, I do, th- on a serious note, this is probably something we should post, like a video of... The, the hit, we can also of, post, of we'll the post the video of the hit. And that is definitely let me know something what you guys gonna, all think. that's going to get posted, because it, it, it helps to see, in case if you haven't seen. But, um... So, you know, eventually, the hearing happened, and the league then has suspended him for the next three games of the playoffs. And I personally disagree with it. I think it was a good, hard hockey hit. Yes, it's unfortunate that Aston Reese got hurt. But if a tall guy can't hit a shorter guy now anymore in this league, why is hockey at the NHL level a contact sport then? 
Like, it makes no sense to me. It was a good, hard physical hit. The head was not the principal point of contact, even though that's what the NHL is saying. It was shoulder on shoulder first. And even last night, the refs didn't even call it a penalty, which is a whole other story in general, because that's debatable. Was it late? Was it not late? I don't think so. He had control of the puck, Aston Reese did. Again, I think it was a clean hit. I disagree with the league's ruling here. I think also the Pittsburgh Penguins may have played to the league because Wilson was in hot water for his hit in game two, where him and Ovi collided into Brian Doom, one of the Pittsburgh Penguins, where Wilson kind of had a flying elbow a little bit, and then Ovi came in and really nailed him. They, like, sandwiched him, and he was playing. You know, Penguins fans and the Pittsburgh Penguins were calling a penalty on that hit, and it wasn't called, and he wasn't suspended. So now this next game comes up, and this happens. I personally disagree with it. I think he should have faced, there should have been no penalty like there was on the ice, and there should be no suspension. Good, clean, hard hockey hit. And the league, is, this is a problem they've had for a while. The Department of Player Safety and the referees on the ice are being too inconsistent. And it's getting fans in an uproar. It's getting the teams in an uproar. Because now anytime there's a huge clean hit, first thing you hear the Nets say, oh, well, where, where was the contact on the head? It's the first thing we say. Even if you can tell it was a clean hit, if you have a hockey-educated mind and know it was a clean hit, the first thing people say, oh, that was a dirty hit. Or then fights happen on the ice. Like, you can't have a clean, hard hit anymore in this league without there being a line brawl anymore. And that's a shame. Because it's an element in this game that's important. And now I feel like it's being forced its way out. All right, off the top. Uh, yes, Zach Aston Reese sustained a concussion and a jaw, right? Broken jaw. Broken and first off, let's also wish a speed recovery to Zach right. Aston Reese. And this is, you know, to, to preface, unfortunately, to preface the fact, this isn't an opinion based off of the fact that this is a Penguins player, because this is a Flyers bias podcast. Like I just wanna I just want it to be known that like, you know, Dave and I do wish Zach Aston Reese a speedy recovery and good health and return to hockey. You don't wanna see anyone get hurt. Because it's it, you know, like it's exactly you don't wanna see anyone get hurt because you know what you know, we're all you know, we're all hockey players here, we're all hockey fans, and we all equally love it the same. You know, we love our teams and have, you know, our biases and loyalties to them. But you know, when it comes down to it on a human level, you know, you don't wanna see people suffer on behalf of that but like more but to go into it you know so this is tricky because i mean a lot of things which you said i i agree with too and i, I don't want to like just repeat it but i think one big thing is as far as like the inconsistency of the player safety department or just the league in general there's clearly not enough communication and agreements between the league officials in a situation like this who didn't call a penalty on the play. They, they, this, this play continued. Wilson was not penalized. Like whatever your belief of is it. There was a stoppage in play and they, the, all the officials did gather up for about, it was about a five minute stoppage in play where they discussed right. this hit. Right. But like there was no, there was no penalty called. So, I you know I don't know about all, you know anybody else's opinion. I'm not sure how you feel about this, but like when it comes down to it, I think call on the ice and the way things are perceived in real time need to and should factor into decisions when it comes to suspending a player. 
And I feel like that's just not a case. I feel like the league sees one thing, like sees something one way, and the officials on the ice see it a different way. Like how many times? How many times has a player been suspended or has been penalized or fined by the league on something they weren't penalized in the game for? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's it also and also when this happens too, the media you know, the hit you can get shown from so many different angles. Like apparently mm-hmm. there was one. So apparently the view that sold the league on the suspension was the view from the bench, and apparently we don't have access to that feed. So that's you know a shame. Right. Here's the thing. Yes, was there contact to the head? Of course there was. Straight up, Wilson made contact with Aston Reese's head, and he suffered for it. Um, but I I think more so. The situation that took place and the, the just the play itself was not, in my opinion, really looked into and analyzed enough. I just feel as though Wilson does have a history with player safety and does sort of have a reputation with the physical side of the game. But I feel like that's not something that should weigh into decision making like it unfortunately seems to. But well, no, it's because he's a repeat offender technically. Well, okay. So that always plays a little bit of a yeah, role. You know, you know what? I think look at look at what happened. Okay, so essentially Aston Reese, he's coming you know, up with the puck, he's carrying the puck, and he goes and he, he essentially you know pulls a move on the one player and you know sort of dangles around the one capital. I don't remember the going guy's name, who, who the player was, and like I guess as he gets around the one capital, Wilson kind of comes up and he's ready to play him. Like, like what happened? And at that point, like, of course, like, Aston Reese is a little bit smaller of a player versus Tom Wilson, who is a very, like, a large man. So that, that is something that goes into play. But also, you know, when it comes down to it, I think awareness is a big thing. And I'm not blaming this at all necessarily on Aston Reese. Like, I'm not saying this happened to him because of his negligence. That's not true. But know where you are on the ice, though. But it is important to be aware. You you need to be aware. Well, exactly with your whereabouts on the ice, the play around you, especially when you're carrying the puck. You know, it's not. And I I say this like not like I'm some stick handling specialist, like as if I'm not going through the neutral zone with my head down too all the time. But you, you know, at, especially at the NHL level, you, you sort of have to be aware. You know, about what the risks are, and, and when you when you kind of like do what he did and see this i feel like when i say this this makes it sound like i'm blaming him i'm not blaming him per se but like i just definitely think like i don't think he was ready to receive a hit like that well there has to also be honest in the player because you have to know your surroundings and you have to be you have to get a chance to prepare for hit like know what know who's on the ice know what you're doing mm-hmm. and play smart because you know it's the playoffs so you know there's gonna be people looking to make big hits mm-hmm. And, you know, Tom Wilson's not going out to hurt anybody deliberately. I mean, you hope not. That's not what hockey players are I about. I don't buy it. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that Tom Wilson's intention on that it was to, like, I'm going to take this guy and I'm going to take him out of the game. He just saw an opportunity for a huge hit to be a momentum change. Right. He's like, well, like, when it comes down to it, in that moment in time, what Tom Wilson was thinking was what anybody else who's ever played contact hockey before has always think, thought. That guy has the puck. I'm going to hit him. That's that's just what it is. Like you know, what I mean, it's not like it's not this malicious intent, or it's not like this like pre you know pre planned you know organ organized thing where it's like oh uh, you know if there's this situation and you know he, this player has come up with this, I'm gonna no, it, that's it doesn't work that way. 
And, you know, like when it comes down to it, you know, Tom Wilson does did what Tom Wilson does best. He put a big hit on a guy, you know, not at center ice, but like I said, in the neutral zone there. And, you know, like he made him pay. You know, he kind of just caught him with his head down. Yeah, I think there are factors that play into the suspension. One being the fact that after the hit, when he was on the bench, he got caught laughing by the camera feeds. And if that played a factor, that's the shame on the NHL. Like, ignore that. Like, he's just laughing at because he has this crowd of Western Pennsylvanians. Happy I didn't say the Y word. Western Pennsylvanians. Yes, Western Pennsylvanians were booing him, and they were showing replays of the hit on the screen. And he's just laughing because he's like, that's what he Like, he's just, like, smirking. Like, it's like, oh, okay. You know, he's getting berated by the Pittsburgh faithful, you know. Like, like oh, they're going to give him the, his, their piece. Like, you know, how dare you? And, he, of course, like, I think he would do what I would do or anybody else would do. But, like, laugh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like, you know, this smile and wave. You know what I mean? Just smile and wave, boys. Hope the kids, smile and wave. Hope the kids are right. Give him my best. You know what I mean? But and it's also also the fact the way the social media is now these days, as soon as it happened and, it, and NBC started replaying it over and over and over, and I'm sure it happened with the CBC feed up in Canada with Sportsnet, and it made its way to Twitter, and it got retweeted millions of times. Oh, well, what's the principal point of contact? And you had Pierre Maguire on air going, oh, the head's the principal point of contact. The head's the principal point of contact. That's a dirty hit. That's a dirty hit. He said it multiple times over and over and over and over and over again. And then last night in the post interview, you even had Keith Jones say, well, that was a dirty hit. And I'm like, I went on Facebook. The only people who I see calling this hit dirty on social media are Pittsburgh Penguin fans. If you're every other hockey fan and look at it this way, you go, that's a clean, hard hit. And he got suspended for it. Not to sound old school or like, you know, but the, the, the kid got his bell rung. You know what I mean? It, it sucks because, like, he sustained an injury, you know? And, and that also probably played into his reason why he was suspended, I think that too. probably played, like, maybe not why he was suspended. I think he would have probably gotten a suspension. But more so, like, if the injury that ensued after the play probably weighed into Wilson getting three games. He probably would have gotten at least one game, maybe two. But he got three. I'm telling you, he got three because... Ashton Reese has a broken jaw and a concussion. I think maybe also the Leafs trying to send a message for the rest of the playoffs saying we're not going to talk about like, it. Oh, like clean it up. But you know what? But here's the problem. Where's They've been so inconsistent with How these about... suspensions and these penalty calls in the oh. first round of the playoffs and now in the second round. It's like, what are you doing? I touched on it I last I touched on it last week. P.K. Subban punched the back of Nathan McKinnon's head multiple times in that series against the Colorado okay. Avalanche, and nothing exactly. happened. I'm saying this is a P.K. Subban fan. I absolutely adore that, man. But you know what? Fair is fair. If you want to clean it up in the playoffs or in, just in the league in general, start, like, point blank. Start with your officials. Start with the referees. Why come April in, you know, in round one, game one of the playoffs, does every NHL official, these are supposed to be the best of the best, you know, the ones who call the best games. Why are they... Why are they the ones who were the most silent in situations like this? Why does it get to this point? Or why do these things have a tendency to escalate? And, like, teams are literally at each other's throat. You have entire benches looking for for blood, essentially. Well, I don't think you have to go very far to understand where it comes from. Because the players aren't feeling they're being protected. So you're going to have more instances instances like this happen. And this happens in all levels of hockey, from men's league to juniors and to the professional leagues. 
when the refs in the league aren't doing their job and protecting their players, the players take it into their own hands, and that's when things get dirty and nasty. You know, I people always oh, you know, what, what does this happen? Or like, you know, people, there's always like this question about like, you know, why, why, why is this getting so out of hand? Or you know, what can we do to fix this? First of all, call a better game. Make sure, make sure your games are called fairly and well. Like I, and this is, I'm not saying that, you know, it's absolutely atrocious, but you know what? These, these, these referees, the officials come playoff time seem to, they just, they just seem to swallow the whistle. Like they did not to be cliche, but it just, it just, it goes away. Like there's no, there's almost, they have no ability to be like, all right, fine. That's a penalty. There's this, there's that. And you know what the worst part of it is? Like when it gets like, you know, the third period, you get halfway through period, things like things start to get really out of hand. Oh, they, they try to clean it up then. They try to, they try to like, you know, fast, they hit the fast forward button and they start calling everything. And that's when things get really frustrating. Everything. You go a whole game, you go like two whole periods, like two and a half whole periods of just nothing. Where a standard has been back set and they and change forth, it the back the last and forth. 20 and it gets so frustrating. And then, and then players take it upon themselves to take, you know, the law into their own hands and then all of a sudden, like, boom, you know, like, whistle, 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 penalty, penalty, penalty. Where were you? Where were you the last 40 minutes? Like, this this happened essentially because of your inability and lack to call, to make calls. It lies, it lies on you, and it lies on the league for not monitoring that and mandating that. Like, and like all, it all ties together, especially with these suspensions. Why are players getting suspended for plays that weren't even called penalties on the ice? Why is there that divide? Or like, why is where's like why is there like no communication between the player safety department and the officials on duty? I'm not saying that Tom Wilson shouldn't have gotten suspended for the hit per se, but also I'm also not saying that it was malicious or it was intentional or the that the principal contact was the head. Like, what does at this point, what does that even mean? You know, you hear everybody say that. That's like the go-to term. Like, oh, well, what was the principal point of contact? Was it the head? Okay. Like seriously, like what what are you what are you trying to infer about that at what this point? What they're saying now is they're saying, did did the shoulder lead to the head? That's what they're trying to go with now. So now wrapping us here, uh, I kind of agree with our good friend Connor Bueller here. He's making some contributes contributions on our page here. So thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Thanks for following us. Thanks, Connor. Um, but no, I kind of agree. It's a border during the regular season that suspend that hit is a borderline one game suspension or fine. It's borderline. Maybe even like a warning. Like like okay, watch it. Maybe a penalty on the ice regular season. But which is funny because normally. The NHL playoffs have been known where the refs take a little bit of a step back and they let these more of these things happen. And now you're getting a stricter ruling in the playoffs than you would in the regular season. So, you know, that's we're gonna we're gonna end on that subject here, on that topic there with the fight, you know, with, well, not with the fight, but with the hit, you know. It's unfortunate you have two hockey fans here who respectfully disagree with the NHL's call, but it's what happens. Cards are gonna play it out, and it's, it's it's thanks for watching because Tom Wilson is a guy who can play in all four of their lines. It's a valuable player. And it's definitely going to play in the Pittsburgh Penguins' hand now that he's not in the lineup. I mean, I think it's unfortunate. You know, like I said, like we prefaced before the fact, you know, Aston Reese, you know, it, it's unfortunate to see him, you know, sustain a concussion and a broken jaw out of this. And 
essentially have his season ended, potentially. I granted on how far the Pittsburgh Penguins make it into the playoffs. You know, I it sucks to just see a player get affected like that at all. But when it comes down to it, you know, I, I don't know if I can sit here and agree with three game a three game suspension for Tom Wilson. It has nothing to do with, you know, my distaste for the Penguins or me being a Flyers fan or this being a Flyers biased podcast. It just has everything to do with the obvious, you know, just the inconsistency across the board. And these things, and I'm, I'm not saying these are these are happen these happen because strictly because of that, but it all manifests from non-called calls, over-called calls, inconsistency with player safety, inconsistency with the officiating, inconsistency with bench management. Yeah, it, it's all, there's a boiling point for everything. And yep. unfortunately, it came to a head. And it should be interesting to see how this goes, you know, going forward. Definitely. So now, um, also, we have, of course, the rest of the NHL playoffs are going on right now. Uh, things are all the series have been fun, exciting hockey. You know, obviously you've got Washington's leading two one at Pittsburgh. The Bruins and Lightning are tied one one. You have Winnipeg leading two one against Nashville, and then you have Vegas up two one on the San Jose Sharks. And the San Jose Sharks and the Vegas Gold Knights actually play tonight. And you know, I am one of the people who I picked Nashville to win the Stanley Cup this year, but they blew a three three zero lead in the first period to lose seven four last night to the Winnipeg Jets and. Pecorine has not been good in net at all for the National Predators, and I could really see the Winnipeg Jets beating the National Predators, per se. And then also the other late game tonight, it's actually about to happen right now, or at least I think 10.30, or whatever that Western time comes out in San Jose tonight. But you have Vegas, San Jose, and you have the Vegas Golden Knights, who just continue to rewrite or write the history books for them and are proving all the doubters wrong. And I'm now one of the people who is now – even though I had the Vegas Golden Knights being eliminated in the first round of the playoffs by the Kings, you know, I've, I've learned that I need to stop doubting this team because they're just going to keep on proving people wrong. And I think they're, they could make their way to the Western Conference Final or even the Stanley Cup Final now. You know, if, if Winnipeg beats, I could see it being a Winnipeg-Vegas Final. <clears throat> and I think, I think again, I think Vegas is going to come out of San Jose tonight with another Conference win. Final. You know, they'll yeah, they'll dance the comes so they could even make a stick up file. Who knows? Depends on how they play Winnipeg. Potentially Winnipeg even beats the Predators. But I think that the Vegas Golden Knights are gonna beat the San Jose Sharks in a series. And I think it's they wanna get an overtime last game. I think they can maybe pull out regulation tonight, unless the Sharks respond. But I'm gonna say Vegas wins by a score of three to one in regulation tonight. You know, <laughs> Vegas is a team that I've just I feel like I've just Disrespected. I, you disrespected I was, them at first, and now now was, you're starting to like them. I was look looking. At these guys. I was looking for the right adjective that didn't come through as explicit, per se. Um, yeah, Vegas is a team that I've doubted since you know even the inception of their team. I, I was definitely one of those people like you know NHL like hockey in Las Vegas like that's you know, that's mockery. This is another Arizona. This is this is a mockery of the game of hockey. You know, the NHL is losing its integrity. I cannot believe that they're going to put a team in Vegas to that this team's going to be horrible. You know, this is going to be a joke. You know, blah blah blah. Like every everything, and I, they've just consistently 
shown and proven people like me to be incorrect. You know, they had an incredible, you know, historical regular season for a team in a team's inaugural season in the NHL. Won their division, shot me up then. But to, to, to add insult to injury, you know, to go into their first playoff series as a team in their first year and sweep the LA and, Kings. And sweep yep. the LA Kings and, you know, very well, very well may beat the San Jose Sharks and face maybe a Winnipeg or a Nashville in the final, the Western Conference final. And I I can see I can see the Las Vegas Golden Knights, you know, given the circumstance, making an appearance in the Stanley Cup final. For the West, potentially, you know, just they're just playing really well. And I think, you know, myself included, they're just proving all the doubters and the haters wrong. And in that way, you know, I, I can respect that. And I, I'm sort of rooting for them. You know, I, I, I do want to see them succeed. We can kind of <clears throat> we, we can now like mock Andre Fleury as a goalie because he's not a Pittsburgh Penguin anymore. And you root for the guy. You know, we just how, spent, how we I spent 15 minutes trying to convince people that we weren't against the suspension because it was it was a Pittsburgh player. <laughs> because it was a and Pittsburgh now we're saying we can now we're saying we can like Mark Pender for right now. Oh boy. Where did where did this dig us dig a hole, dude? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Keep digging this podcast into a hole. But you know, it's just, you know, it's how ironic would it be? Let's say if Pittsburgh does go on to beat Washington and makes their way to the Cup final and then Vegas goes on. Right, so Connor, Connor, I was actually just about to say this. You are a bold, bold. You can read my mind, sir, and that's scary. That's very scary. But yeah, you know, he's on tonight. Watch out, Connor Mueller is on tonight. He's 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 on it. Uh, I was just to say, a Vegas Pittsburgh final would be a really good final. It'd be fun and be exciting, and it would be perfect, so perfect for Mark Andre Fleury to go in there and say, "Hey, what up, boys?" And then you'd have Vegas win the Stanley Cup in their first year, and we never hear about that forever. It'd be cool. They have a, they have a, Vegas has a lot of good players. Then you go, why did that team get bombed? Alex Tuck. What were the Minnesota Wild thinking? They weren't thinking at all. He was a former first-round pick, good power forward, played well for the U.S. national team, played well at Boston. Now he's with the you know Vegas Golden Knights turned up. William Carlson, the Ducks came up on him, then the Blue Jackets came up on him. She shot for like 40 percentage. It's 40 percentage this year. 40 goals. Didn't do that ever in his career. You have a Jonathan Marcheseau, who Tampa Bay gave up on. Who then the Florida Panthers stupidly gave up on. And also the Florida Panthers just said Riley Smith to the goal of the I can keep on going. All right. In, in the one of the – okay, as far as the expansion draft goes, oh, you know, some of these teams, you know, their defense, you know, they – Their they, camp was played each a little team, bit. Each team was given – you know, the option to protect 10 players, you know? So sometimes, you know, you have to make tough decisions and, you know, there might be some players on this Vegas, this Vegas, this Vegas Golden Knights roster that, you know, maybe certain teams didn't necessarily want to part with, but to salvage other core parts of their roster, they didn't protect that player, you know? But like, yeah, precisely. Or, or they agree to take on a bad contract, but then we'll trade you this promising young star, i.e. Shea Theodore, who the Vegas Golden Knights then drafted Clayton Stoner from the Anaheim Ducks, but then had to give up Shea Theodore in a trade. So the, you know, they had the best thing. Go- this was the best expansion draft the league's ever done, as in quality of players. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this team on paper. You don't think of them as – you don't attribute 
that t- roster at the beginning of the season, you look at like their their starting lineup game one, you know, of the season, and you know, at least I didn't think that this the result would match up with what it was at this point in time. You know, I didn't I didn't think that the Vegas Golden Knights were going to be this successful, especially not just because it's their first inaugural season in the NHL, but with the team they had on the ice. And that, incredibly enough. What happened? So we'll see what happens. Also received a text question from a, a person who wants to remain anonymous. Um, what do you guys think? You know, we're going to kind of re- go back here. This will be our final top of the year. It's re- going back to Carter Hart. Um, what does Carter Hart give the Flyers that their current goalies don't? Well, it's it's hard to compare almost a goalie who in juniors to to professional goalies. But he's just – you want to say he's almost better in every aspect, but he's – it's hard to say that. Like, you want to say that, but you can't say that. Because he hasn't – he's proved himself as a prospect in the junior tier levels. So now you're hoping he can take that elevated play to the next step. He's got the good speed. He's got the good vision. He's staying healthy. He has all the right makings to be the next elite goaltender in the league. And that's what he has over our current situation. I, I agree with Dave. I think it's very hard to tell because, you know, this is a player who hasn't played a single professional game yet in his career. And, you know, it might take some time to see him do that. And all, for all the great things we say about him, he has yet to actually accomplish that. So it is a lot of hype. And I can understand the skepticism. But as of right now, in his development, his 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 career in the CHL, he seems to be doing all the right things, and he seems to be getting rewarded for it. And you know, I do believe that you know, consecutively three you know years in a row, all time you know WHL Player of the Year, first goalie to ever do it, goalie of the goalie year. of the year, first time three like, years in a row. The the records per se speak for themselves. And I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think that the Flyers are getting a, getting a bad one in this one. So only time will tell, but I, I'm optimistic about it. And I, I think as far as what he offers that other Flyers goaltenders do now, like Dave and I both say, it's hard to tell because you haven't seen him, you know, compete at the level that these other goaltenders are competing at. But when, once, you know, push comes to shove, he's going to be, you know, an established goaltender who has an established record of winning, an established record of elite single, like, singular performance. And he's going to be young. He's going to be, you know, I'll, I'll say it. He's going to be hungry, you know, for, to, to establish his career in potentially maybe even be a Stanley Cup champion one day. You know, I think, you know... He has the chance to be the next great Canadian NHL goaltender. So, so. it's uh, it's tough to say for now, you know. But I think I think a lot of promising things are on the horizon, you know, with Carter Hart and the Philadelphia Flyers goaltending situation. Yep. That's going to be a wrap for, again, this week of Five Major Radio. Thanks for your guys' texting and your comments. Thank you, Connor. Um, just want to say, you know, give a couple of shout outs. Thanks to everyone who watched tonight. Also, you know, hi to Ashley Smith. Uh, ah, it's Shelsey. 
Yes, yes. Nice. Thanks for joining, guys. So, uh, Shelshi Bakursky is yeah. her new name. Yes. Congratulations yes. on your recent marriage yes, to indeed, Mr. Bakursky, if you're still watching. Yes. And special sh- a special shout out to Kelsey. Kelsey, formerly Kelsey Clients, now Kelsey Bakursky. Yes. Also, another shout out to our good buddy, Josh Barber. Oh, yeah. Today is his birthday. Yes. And it's my understanding that he's preparing to graduate from East Strasburg University within the next week or two. So a special shout out to him. Congratulations on graduating from school and uh, happy birthday if you're still watching. Yes. Yeah, so I'll make sure uh, to text you later. Yep. Yeah, so thanks again. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you next week. We'll have another, hopefully have another packed episode of NHL playoff action and more prospect news. Also, keep look out for those videos. We will post this video videos. as soon as possible. First and foremost, T-Blades being number one, the Wilson hit being number two. What was the third one? It doesn't matter. Just watch the T-Blade video. Watch the T-Blade video and the Wilson hit. You'll and understand. We'll get some more dialogue. Have a great night, guys. Maybe if Tom Wilson wore T-Blade. Maybe if he wore T-Blades, that'd be different. So something extra for those who we added our Facebook live. For our so. special actual podcast subscribers, you're getting the extra little bloopers and stuff. Just five minute, five minute major radio. This just in. Tom Wilson, no longer suspended, forced to wear T-blades. Oh, God, that'd be awful. Have a good one, guys.